Welcome everyone. Episode two of Spooled, the Northern Angler podcast. I'm your host, Matt Hartman, and alongside me is owner of the Northern Angler and all around entertaining guy, Brian Pitzer. Hey everyone. Thanks for tuning in to episode two of Spooled. You've made it. Made it. You made it to episode two. I mean, who knew? Who knew? We're excited to be back. This is fun. We've been uh, BSing here at Brian's kitchen table, so <laughs> getting ready for this one. So, no, I'm pretty excited about. Uh, I'm pretty excited about 2022 and and all the things we've been talking about today. Uh, kind of planning out our shop strategy and and things that we want to tackle. It's fun to look at the big picture. What's coming? So, you know, it seemed like a lot of people were very excited to say goodbye to 2021, but I don't know. I thought 2021, I, I try and look for the positives. You know, I can't, I can't help it. I always want to, I had some fun. I got I, to go I, fishing. I get, I mean, I work at a fishing shop, so that's pretty right, fun. That's and, super fun. And I, yeah. I can't complain about my 2021 20, overall. I had a lot of great highlights. I had some super cool experiences and, you know, I think if anything, my takeaway from 2021 is to not try and control the things I have no control over. I think that is a noble, I have to remind myself that all the time. You know, we just, you can't control everything and I have to be happy. Why with the stress situation. out about the stuff? Right. We I have can't to be control. happy with whatever's going on. Um, you know, I, I can't be disappointed because the outcome should have been something different. Right. Right. right? So today's episode, we're going to take a little bit of a look back at uh, 2021, some of our favorites. It's almost like uh, Brian Pitzer's Rock and Eve, you know. Just it's, a, it is fun to kind of... It's fun to look back. It's fun to look back. You I know? think it's important because I think there's so much negativity going on. It's we, it's easy to forget, oh, hey, we did this fun thing. We did I'm that so fun thing. I'm so sick of so, the negativity. I can't even read the news. I can't pick up... A, you're not the only one. I, I know several people that are like, I try and be an informed, you know, citizen, but sometimes it's just overwhelming. One of the things I did, and, you know, people will find this strange, but I gave up social media for a, quite a bit this fall. Uh, really, like, did not check Facebook, Instagram, any of that stuff, um, just because I honestly felt so fragile uh, for the year. And, and, you know, why would I get upset with you know, somebody because of a comment or whatever. Right. Um, you know, I think social media has just gotten out of control. And it's, it certainly has gone through, I feel like, a big change in the past two years. It sure has. You know, and I feel sorry for these kids, you know, like, you know, like Lily's age or Logan's age that, uh, you know, so much of their, their all, all of their peers think about social media. And, and, you know, there's a really good special out there called Social Dilemma. Yeah. that Larimer was telling me to watch. And I'm going to do that here in the next couple of weeks when I can sit down with Lily and we can kind of both watch it together and talk about it. Um, there are so many positive things about social media though, too. Well, yeah. You know? But it, it's tough to watch when, when some folks tie their self-worth to their success and on social media, it's just, I mean, I don't know. We're, we're the go outdoors guys, right? you know, and find yourself out there. So yeah, I've been but, reading a lot more books quite a few more books and I've actually been tying a few more flies this fall. Whoa. And that's like my thing this winter. It's my it's favorite thing about winters, you know, you know, it, yeah, it gets dark early, but it makes it nice and comfortable to 
crack a book open or refill a fly box and think about all the fish I'm going to catch with those flies in the next years. That's the best thing. It's pretty exciting. Flies. So, uh, Brian, let's, uh, let's start with uh, a question here. What was your favorite thing you did on the water last year? Ooh, boy. Um, there was a bunch. There's some good, good stories. Water and time, you know, from mousing at night with Eddie and, oh, man, to, I would say, gosh, musky fishing. I thought you might say. You did, um, you did, you know, two, you did okay musky, musky fishing. One day. That was pretty, and a big pike, too. Cool. <laughs> so, um, you know, those, those, those fish were a long time coming. Um, I would say, you know, but missing out on the permit that in Mexico again this year, that was, that was kind of a bummer. But so my favorite thing, you know, it really had to be going to the green river. Um, you know, one of my, one of my customers, friends, uh, clients, uh, who I've known for a very long time, actually went to college with his sister. Um, you know, he flew, flew us out in his Cessna. So we flew over the Rockies in a Cessna and I'm, I'm scared to death of heights. So I know and there was he a did picture. Not, my was, favorite is that he did not, as he was flying you in a small plane that he described to me about the interiors, about the size of a Ford Explorer. Yes, it is. You know, like seat wise that he didn't know that you were afraid of heights until you had already gotten, <laughs> which I oh, yeah. was terrified of heights. So, you know, <laughs> those, those times you have to step out of your comfort zone. Right. So, you know, that, that because of the, the journey in the plane, you know, there and back and, and living, I got to stop in Fort Collins, meet one of his buddies, catch up with one of my buddies, Dave Katz. Um, so, you know, Fort Collins is a super cool town, really, you know, that was neat. And then, you know, we got to fish with Jimmy Cohn um, on the green. He was one of the founding guys for uh, one of the major guide services out there. Um, he's done a lot. He was full of stories. We stayed at his house. He's uh, probably about 10 or 15 years older than I am. Um, and so uh, we shared a lot of the same upbringings you know when we both cut our teeth in guiding it was quite a bit different and you know where that journey took him and where that journey has taken me uh, our paths you know certainly do have some parallel lines and it's so it's super fun never had fished the green before um and i'm jealous yeah. a little bit i mean i i lived right there for mm, three years i think i lived in vernal and made the drive up to the green more times than i can count and it's just I I actually did have a plan to go this year too. That oh, you did, I, That's or right. last year. That was one of my. Yeah. I had some failed uh, adventures this year, but I still had a good good last year. But it's one of the coolest fisheries. I think that gets overlooked a lot for people going to Montana instead. And you know, it's some not other easy places. to get to. It's not. You know, that's it is thing. very isolated. I mean, you're you're an hour from any sort of even small town. I mean. You got Rock Springs to the north. You got Vernal to the south, and both yeah. about forty-five minutes or so. And you're very isolated, but it's—I mean, there's nothing like fishing in a canyon in my mind. I mean, just you feel small in the best way possible. You do, and you know, we we only 
we only fish dries or streamers. So that was really cool because I'm not a big nympher. Um, just Brian, because I you're don't. one of the best at throwing <laughs> thingamabobbers I've ever seen. So. <laughs> I'm not, not I'm a big kidding. nympher. Um, you know, how, so, many, how many people did you see trying to throw big nymph rigs? Oh, my like, gosh. Trying Everybody to cast else. them. And it was just <laughs> terrible. Um, but, you know, we, we had we had a blast. We had some, you know, tough weather. We had a tough – the flows, they were working on the dam when we were there. We certainly made the best of it. You know, but the whole thing about any of these trips is just the experience, right, and learning new things and seeing new water. And I love hiring guides wherever I go um, because you can always learn something. Um, you can share a lot of the same stories, and it's just just a lot of fun. Um, well, it's just so nice to show up and just have a small bag, and right. you've they've done the work for you. Absolutely, and – and knowing when to listen to them, that's the big thing. Yeah. You know, like always, always listen. God gave you two ears and one mouth <laughs> for a reason, Matt. Well, let's see. How about uh, favorite? What, what was your favorite thing oh, gosh. that you did on the water? On the year? water last year. Well, we had some debate about what counts as on the water. So I'm going to, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to do two. Um, I spent some time smallmouth fishing a little bit more this year. And making some drives south and just what a fun, fun fishery that we're figuring out, you know, to the south a little bit on the Manistee and some of the other rivers to the south of Traverse where those fish just, they're so aggressive. And I've, you know, I never really spent much time chasing smallies other than on one of the local lakes here. And it's really cool to see them in the rivers. Um, the other thing is I, I actually went on two canoe trips, which was really nice. Uh, my traditional, um, uh, what do we call it? Uh, <laughs> not so trout opener. <laughs> well, yeah, well, let's see that I always seem to go on these canoe trips with my little brother and college friends that are just, they're trips from hell. Um, and I feel like I do a good job planning them, but something always goes wrong and, the, the river hadn't been cleared and we lost our saw at like midnight and we were trying to get to our campsite and wow, it was maybe, maybe I'll share that story. I couldn't wear Chacos for like three weeks because my feet were so torn up. That oh my <laughs> gosh, that's terrible. But I went on a fun one with my wife that was really a little bit, it turned out a lot better. Where so did you guys canoe that time? That's the Big Island Wilderness area up in the UP. I've spent a lot of time in the UP this year, which was, or last year, I should say, which was really nice. I I finally discovered the Western UP. You know, I went beyond Marquette, and gosh, if I can't encourage people to do that enough, it's oh. so cool. Marquette is such a cool town. Yeah. With Lily going to school there at NMU, I spent some time there as well, and I could live there in a heartbeat. It's such a cool, yeah. I mean, I don't know, it has that old old small town feel it reminds me I of traverse city it. 30 years the ago. old brick buildings and you know the water's still right there yep. everyone's so, super outdoorsy yeah everybody's just you know hippie weirdo just do what you want there's not 30 breweries right it's nice it's yeah. kind of nice so would it's you say that's your bougie. favorite thing you did off the water well yo i would say take you know my my favorite thing off the water uh, would have been taking my daughter up to NMU. We did the visits uh, together, and just that time with her uh, was super special. So, you know, seeing her grow and and go off to college is heart wrenching, but you know, it's rewarding in the same 
in the same token. So yeah, I'd say that's my my number one favorite thing I did off the water last year. So you know, and then I went to some cool concerts. Who'd you see? Dead and Company a few times, uh, and then uh, did the whole Billy Strings Hoxieville thing. So that was fun. Um, nice. You know, that's always a good time. Hoxieville's a fun one. I haven't Hoxieville's been there in a while. Hoxieville's a fun one, and Billy Strings just rocks. Yeah. I think we can all agree on that. So let's see. Uh, what's next? Let's see. Uh, okay. How about uh, how about we talk about this year, 2022? Yeah, you know, you know, 2022. My, I've, I have some resolutions to do a few, Ooh, a few more okay. fishing related things. Yeah, this, this is year. a fishing podcast. We should do yeah. some fishing resolutions, I think. So my fishing resolutions are just, you know, really develop some new techniques and learn some new water um, for sure. You got and some top secret water I picked do. out? I do have some top secret water. I'm excited to go try it out. Um, and I have customers that are willing to go do that adventure. So looking forward to that. Um, you know, and I just want to, I want to take a little bit more time for myself uh, to constructively fish. You know, uh, I do fish lakes quite a bit in the evenings. Um, but I didn't spend very much time on the boardman this year, and I, I need to do a little bit more cold water fishing. But, gosh, I'm so close to all these little lakes around my house. that You're literally surrounded by lakes where I your house is. I can just go it's out every so night easy. and fish a different lake and be the only boat out there, which is so nice. It's awesome. It's so peaceful. Yeah. I mean, I'm three minutes from the big lake near me, and then all the other lakes are about 10, 15 minutes, and it's just it's so nice. So perfect. Nice. So yeah. I, I do hope to do uh, do a little bit more fishing uh, that way this year. I'm hoping to actually catch a muskie this <laughs> year. <laughs> I think it's your um, year, Matt. Or maybe I should resolve to not watch Johnny take one cast and catch a, and because I, I'm saying that because I know he's going to listen to this. You know, Matt, like <laughs> I, I looked over at you and I've never seen a look of more deflation <laughs> In my entire life, you were kind of like, "What the heck just happened?" You know, Johnny. I didn't just like say "heck" in my head. There. I promise. I know you didn't, but I'm trying to keep this G-rated for the show. The, you know, you just had this look of horror, like, "What? What have I been doing for the past six hours?" And he throws one cast one and catches a muskie. <laughs> it was awesome. It was priceless, but it was it was sad to see. I'm sorry. Oh, it's um, something I think we'll laugh about forever. But I mean, you know, it's just funny. It doesn't matter. Like honestly. I, you know, look at how my how I've been chasing permit like endlessly and just having something stupid happen every time I hook oh, up. Yeah. And you know, that's what makes it fun is the chase. And you're paying your dues and eventually you're gonna it's gonna make it that much more special when it happens. Yep. You're gonna think about all those times you got kicked in the face. You know, it's like beating up the bully. That's right. I'm hoping to do well. Usually I don't get out and spraying steelhead fish, but I'm excited to do some earlier season bass fishing and, and streamer fishing. So I'm I'm working on a an entire streamer box for smallies. Oh, I like that. For the river. That's been fun. There's there's a new book we got at the shop. I think it's just called Smallmouth Bass Flies. That and is a great book. I was thumbing through really that. That's good. insanely good. I mean, you know, it's it's too bad books aren't as common as they once were. This one is really, really well done. It, it, you know, it mixes a lot of, a lot of the things people have seen before, but kind of, it. He does such a good talk, a job talking about when to fish these different flies. You know, it's, it's a really good 
I would say a companion to something like Kevin Feenstra's book. So, uh, so what do you have yeah. planned for the winter, Matt? You know, like we've talked oh, a little geez. bit about what's coming up for the, the summer the and the spring. What are you going to do this winter? Like this winter, this winter? Yeah. Like what do you have planned? Like, you know, we have a lot of podcasts. We have live fly time. We have we got, lots of stuff that we're doing that way. But what are you going to do for fun? Oh, I got to find some time. Actually, we're. I think we're gonna try and get. Uh, I'm gonna try and go somewhere with Annie for a birthday in February. Nice. Um, you know, just for a long weekend, that'll be good. I have a friend's bachelor party coming up. That'll be uh, painful, I'm sure, in the best <laughs> way possible. <laughs> Bourbon. Uh, I think we're gonna go hang out in Baldwin. What's the really? worst that could happen? Right? Oh my goodness! <laughs> Watch out, Baldwin. Here we come. Ah, that sounds. <laughs> Off the hook. You got anything crazy <laughs> coming on or going on this winter? I mean, I'm just, I've been tying more flies than I have in the past two years, which is really nice. No, I mean, I have a pretty extensive uh, reading list and, you know, I'm trying to better myself with doing some exercise and stuff like that. And, and uh, you know, but, you know, you have to stick with it, right? It's uh, everything. So it makes, makes it a lifestyle change. Congratulations. And, Everyone that's listening is now Brian's, uh, what do you call it? Life coach. <laughs> Accountability partners. <laughs> Accountability partner. But, you know, like I always feel like I get in pretty good shape in the winter and because I'm I, I'm able to do a, more of a schedule. But, yeah. you know, the rest of the year, you know, s- guiding, you know, it's always a floating schedule and you can never really get in a routine. So I try and make the most of that in the winter that I can do. I find them, it, I think you're exactly right. I, I stick to a pretty rigid routine in the winter. Otherwise, I just feel meh. You know, I just, I have to get up by a certain time, get, I have to do some physical activity. It's super important with the daylight, yeah. the way we have in Northern Michigan, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's strong for your mental health. You know, during quarantine, there are so many groups out there, like in the West that, they're very active for their guides, you know, yeah. river guides and fishing guides and mountain guides out there. Um, because, you know, this is, you know, something that people don't really talk about. You know, as a guide, you're you're on for so many days, right? Like how many days do I work in a row in the fall? You know, 50-some, 60-some yeah. days, you know, really hard. You're up, you're, you're going, and then all of a sudden, poof, boom, you're done. And it's a huge letdown. And... You have to find things to do that are constructive during that right. time frame, you know, so you get, you know, all your projects done around the house, you get reacquainted with the shop, you, you know, and, you know, for me this year, like I just get reacquainted with the shop and then I have to be quarantined for 10 days with Lily <laughs> right. uh, with COVID, you know, and, and, you know, gosh, I just, I don't do well, uh, you know, mentally being cooped up. No, and, you need, you um, need that social interaction. Yeah. For, for sure. sure. And I think a lot of us do. So I'm yeah. Routines, routines are everything. Routines so. are great. Hopefully this podcast will remain a routine for us. Let's right? hope so. I think it's going to be fun. I think it's be fun. So let's see, let's talk a little bit about a trip that's coming up for you. Uh, you've how, tell us about this, uh, this permit obsession you've had. I mean, it's a sickness, Matt. It's not good. Um, <laughs> Gosh, you know, for a long time it was a tarpon, and uh, you know I swore I'd never chase permit um, because they don't eat flies, and they're so frustrating. But um, gosh, I love catching bonefish. I love catching tarpon, and so heard one of the best destinations for permit would be Cuba. 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 
So I've been reading some history of Cuba. Um, I'm, I'm guardedly optimistic that we're going to make it uh, with all the COVID stuff. And if we can get, you know, if we can get flights down there and back, I think we're going to be just fine. Um, and this is something I've been looking forward to. Many, many of my customers have been more than once. Quite a few of them go every year. So um, I don't know. For me, I think this is kind of the last difficult to get to place and you know it's very limited with the amount of pressure they have so the fish uh, don't run from the fly when you make the cast and and all indications of people that i've spoken with that have fished you know the bahamas or mexico or belize or wherever i've gone um i i I started going to some of those places when they were very new and you know to go to them now and to see how the fish react it's definitely different it's more challenging uh, we have to be better anglers. Is it, I mean, do you think it's your presentation just has to be better? Or are they just that much more tuned into every little movement? Oh, of I you think on the they're water like Michigan or? trout, you know? Okay. It's like you got to make the perfect cast, the perfect yeah. drift, the perfect, you know, whatever. And find a happy fish. And, and, and find the happy fish. And I think a lot of times that's what it is um, in some of these saltwater destinations when all the conditions aren't perfect. Right. You know, yeah. like if you don't have, the, I mean, are they ever perfect in saltwater? You know, I've had some really wonderful days, uh, on the saltwater where the, you can tell, you just feel it. Like it feels fishy and you go out and just in every fish you cast to, it seems like it eats or, you know, like nine out of 10 casts they're going to eat. Um, so I don't know. I'm curious, uh, to see what, what this is all about. We're going to a lodge, uh, which is inside of a marina. Um, and one of my buddies, Dave Katz, that uh, I spoke about the last time that I s- hooked up with in Fort Collins, he's been to this. He's been to all the destinations down there, and he he assures me this is the the best for permit. That's so, cool. That's exciting. How long are you going to be down there? Just for a week. Okay. Yep. At the end so of when January. you're when you do, and I've been close to doing the salt thing. Uh, you know, another one of my failed. You got to get trips. your passport. I know. <laughs> make it happen. How many days do you, I mean, if you're down there for a week, how many days do you usually expect to be on the water So usually, for something like that? Something like that, usually fly in on a Saturday and you fish uh, Sunday through Friday, and then you fly out on a Saturday. So it's usually a Saturday to a Saturday. I mean, are you usually expecting to take a weather day or two or? No, not usually. Oh, I that's mean, great. I w- I've know, always heard, you know, maybe plan a weather day or two. But. You know, um, I mean, you're, you're going to have bad weather days typically. Um, and that's why you go for a week, right? When I right. tell people, like when, let's say when I go red fishing, right? sure. we go down to New Orleans, we fish with Greg, um, moon, awesome dude. And you know, you want three days cause you're going to have one good day, one like eh, eh, day and usually one crappy weather day. Okay. I mean, it's really, even here in Michigan, it's, it's rare to put together three great days in a row. It is absolutely right. I mean, it, things just change so quickly. It's tough. Brian, of all the factors you have to deal with as a saltwater angler, what's the toughest thing? The wind. Is it always the wind? Always the wind. Okay. Um, very rarely is it not the wind. And, you know, the weather, too, when it comes to overcast days, when you can't. It's about, you know, you're sight fishing, right? So if you have cloudy days and windy days, those fish are, you're on top of them before you even are ready to cast many times before you even see them. Um, That's going to be tough. And so it's like, Oh look, there's one. Uh, Yeah. It's too close. Right. You're the boats already spooked it before you make the cast. So that's always a, 
a very difficult um, thing to contend with in the wind. And so that's why it's really important to practice casting before you go and really work on your double haul and your accuracy. And then one of the first things I do when I get to a saltwater destination is I string up everything and, you know, bend it all up, make sure nothing broken in, in flight. And a lot of lodges you go to have a, a place that you can keep your eyes. It's like a locker or, a, okay. you know, you can you know, somewhere secure in your room, whatever, you know, keep them away from ceiling fans and whatnot. <laughs> but I, I always go out and I practice casting off the dock um, and just, just go out there and think about my cast the whole, you know, a few weeks beforehand, you visualize this, you know, much like you would if you're skiing or, you know, hitting a ball, whatever it is, you visualize yourself making the cast, you visualize yourself, um, making that double haul and casting, you know, the 70, 80 feet, whatever at a time. And then those up close casts, you know, put them on the money. You know, we just did a, a live fly tying with Alex Lafkus a, a week or so ago on YouTube and just like he said, the cast is only everything. It is. So, you know, everyone, I, I'm, I'm going to pry at you a little bit. Everyone says casting is really important to practice. I mean, what what's the most useful practice, you know, kind of scenario that, that you've found to be most helpful? I, what I would imagine is actually having yardage markers or something so that I'm on the same understanding of what the guide is telling me, you know, Oh, 40 yards, 60 feet, whatever, you know, would that be kind of the same idea that you know, you're thinking th of or not really for no? me? Um, okay. that's super important to establish with your guide when you get on the boat. Okay. You know, you cast it and you ask them, Hey, is that 40 feet? You know, is this, is this what you see it? And they'll say, no, that's 50 feet or that's 30 feet. Okay. So that way when they tell you, to cast, you know, 50 feet, you understand what they mean. Right. right? Expectations the same. Exactly. So that's really important to kind of establish that rapport uh, with your guide. And that's something that Tim Rajeff really taught me um, is he got to the front of the boat. It struck me and he's like, this is my one o'clock. And the guide's like, yep. And, you know, he pointed through every, you know, f every, uh, you know, point in the, in the, in the clock in the front of the boat. So from three o'clock to nine o'clock. And then, you know, he made five or six casts and he told the guide what he thought that this was. And just, he didn't even tell him what he thought it was. He just asked the guide, what, how far is this? Okay. So it's not even like, Hey, is this 30 feet? Just ask him, like cast it. How far is this? And then that way it leaves much less into interpretation. So if sure. the guy doesn't want to be like, no dude, like, is this 70 feet? No, dude, that's like 50. And then he's like <laughs> belittling you because you just thought right. you made a 70-foot cast, right? Do you find many saltwater guides will will do that automatically with you? Or is it usually angler-driven where they where the angler's responsible for setting that up, you know, for, I mean, I just. Most I of the time it's, it's angler-driven. Okay. Right? So a lot of times the guides will engage you as much as you engage them. Okay. Right? Um, so, and some of them don't like to be engaged, right? Like any guide. Sure. Um, and you know, you just try and establish that rapport by being professional or respectful, you know, to them. Um, and, and always have a smile on your face, you know, don't get super upset with yourself, uh, when you blow a shot, cause you're going to blow a shot. You know, I'll never forget the time, you know, <laughs> Larry and I are fishing in the Bahamas and the guy benched me for the entire day because I missed a fish. On I still first. can't believe oh, hearing so that mad. story. But anyway, you know, stuff like that happens, right? Yeah. 
Yep. And I bruised his ego by by not hooking that fish. And it was a huge fish, right? But he made me pay for it the rest of the day, and it, it was really un, unfair. But that taught me a lot, like, you know, how to stand up for myself in a situation like that. Um, but, uh, you know, saltwater guides do have that uh, tendency to anybody that's going for a prize, like a permit, tarpon, you know, a bonefish, where you're looking for one a day. Right. Um, that's tough. That's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure that's on the guys. It's a lot of pressure, pressure on, on you. One and, fish a day. You yeah. know, so, um, you know, you don't want to blow it. You want to work hard for that guide. And I know I appreciate it as a guide when my clients work hard for me. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. try, I try and do that. Um, you know, and then I just, you know, think positive thoughts, really. Like, think yeah. positive thoughts about my casting. Think positive thoughts about maybe the conditions that we'll hopefully encounter. And uh, just, you know, go into it with an optimistic uh, frame of mind. How late in the day do you usually fish? So a typical day down there is, you know, uh, in the salts, typically about 8 to 4, 8 to 5. Okay. So it's a it's, it's definitely a pretty long a, day. It's a long day. It's a lot of sun time. A lot of sun, time in the sun, so you want to make sure you stay hydrated. You know, don't show up too hungover uh, from the night before. Um, get, get that a good liquid breakfast. IV, you know. You know get a good breakfast. Um you know, and uh, just wear your sunscreen and just be prepared for whatever the day, you know, has in store for you. Um, and, and and it's a lot of fun, you know. I mean, it's relaxing to be out there on the water that long and, and to just, you know, be drifting. You know, a lot of times people haven't done saltwater trips. You, you take turns on the bow of the boat. Okay. So, you know, we might set a we might set an alarm for every 30 minutes. We might set an alarm for every 45 minutes. Sometimes you're up there for five, six minutes and you get a fish and then you switch, you're like, you yeah. switch yep. right? You know, that's fair. Like a lot of times when my boat partners and I do that, um, you know, just to keep it fair. Yeah. Um, because, you know, you know we, we all have different games to play, you know, three casts and you're out, three strikes, you know, or a fish and you're up, you know, you hit a run, you know, it's like baseball. Yeah. Right? You don't want to be a, you don't want to be a ball hog. For someone who wants to, you know, maybe experience saltwater for the first time, where would you, because you've done it, you know, kind of pretty much everywhere, Gosh, you know, I except have, for maybe the just crazy off the map stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, I haven't done Christmas Island or, you know, places those, like the that, Kelly's like or, yeah. the Seychelles. Yeah. Like, I haven't done those. Um, I, I would say. Where's you know, a friendly place. The Bahamas is super friendly to go and catch bonefish. I love to catch bonefish. Um, you know, Belize is a wonderful place to go. Mexico is a wonderful place to go. You um, did Mexico, what, past two years? Past two years. And, you know, we have a good friend that lives in Traverse City that, uh, you know, they own the lodge down in uh, in Mexico as well. Yeah. So, um, you know, he's always telling me about different places to go because it's really difficult to get into that lodge. And maybe, you know, maybe we can talk to Dane about doing a podcast. Thing. That'd be kind of cool, actually. Um, yeah. It would be kind of cool. But, you, you know, the thing of it is um, you want to go where you have a shot at fish where you don't have to make a 100-foot cast in the wind, right? Because Set yourself up for success, you will, right? I mean, right. You, you want to be able to have enough encounters throughout the day, and the Bahamas usually gives you that. Um, so I, I think the Bahamas... It's a great place to go. It seems to be pretty affordable and safe. You know, they're super welcoming to tourists. You, I don't think you have to have a passport to get to the Bahamas. Don't um, quote us on that. Yeah. So it does make it fairly easy. Um, 
And you yeah. don't have to worry about a language barrier really either. No, they speak English and, you know, and the, just the Bahamian people are so pleasant. They're so loving. Um, the food's great. You know, it's a very laid back place, you know. Um, but really any of the saltwater destinations you go to are like that. I mean, x Flash is just awesome. Jesse runs a great operation down there. The guides are phenomenal. Um, you know, it's everything I want in a fish camp. I don't want anything fancy. I don't need cloth napkins. I don't, you know, need, you know. Hot towels. Hot towels and thousand count linens. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm there to fish. Right. You know, I want to fish, you know, and you can walk out in the front and in most of these lodges and go fish. So it's, it, that's one of the really great things about going to a saltwater destination. And I think one of the things that people get hung up on, and I know for me, I go in when I can, and that's January and February. Right. But some of these places fish really well in May. Yeah. You know, they fish yep. really well in September. James told me that. Yeah. Really well in October. Um, you know, you have to work around the hurricanes in a lot of these places. But when you can get in there and those, that fishing can be really good pre hurricane season. Um, so, you know, for me, if I had the time, you know, I'd go, I'd go, you know, I'd go three months out of the year sure. <laughs> just to oh, experience yeah. it in different places. Right. Um, if, if I had the means to be able to do that. So I, I, I just want to, I want to try different places and that's why I'm going to Cuba. All right. I got two more salt quick questions for you. All right. Uh, what's one piece of gear that people wouldn't expect that you take saltwater fishing that you love to have? Oh, that's a well. Maybe that's a tough one, or, that's or kind just of a tough one. But all right, you know, well, just one my, one thing. Probably I mean. my number one thing um, would be stuff to keep keep your glasses clean. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, vision's kind of everything. Vision is saltwater, everything. So how many pairs of sunglasses do you take usually? Two to three. Okay. Yep, two to three, that's and I perfect. might switch them out during the day uh, if if it gets cloudy or if I feel like the guide's pointing out more <laughs> fish that I sh- should be seeing. I might switch colors. Um, and then some days, you know, I'll go two, three days and just wear the same color lenses. Um, so I think that's a really great thing to take. Um, the other thing you never want to be without on a, on a saltwater vacation are wet wipes. <laughs> <laughs> wet wipes come in handy for I so like many Brian things. I feel like Brian is... is- Hoping for a sponsorship. Here. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, let's see. Yeah. You know, no, I, I agree. It's the same way, you know, it's the same way you. backpacking or canoeing. I mean, you a wet just, wipe is like gold. You can trade that currency sometimes, you, you know. If freshen up. Yeah. All right. One last, uh, one last question about saltwater fishing before we wrap up. If you had to fish for one saltwater fish for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, Man, that's such a tough one. I really like zinging them today. I'm sorry. I know. I know. So many. I love saltwater fishing. Let's just start with that. Um, but if I had one fish, I would have to go tarpon. There's nothing like that medium-sized tarpon. Hooking it up, getting the first few jumps out of it, it is just really the most adrenaline you can have, I think, um, in saltwater for me. I'd say tarpon. Do you think uh, Northern Angler might be doing some hosted trips in the future? I certainly hope so. Yeah. I hope so. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Maybe you could come fish with us. You know, that'd be, who knows? Could be happening. 
I know that's happening. that's one of the reasons why I've gone to these different places and and yeah. you know, the feel out right what's right for our customers, right? I right, mean, and that way you can uh, you know set them up with the right stuff without overselling them. You know, too many things. You get some of these gear lists. I mean, I'm looking at my gear list for Cuba. It's like you could spend seven thousand dollars on gear before you even get there, and you don't have to do that. I no. think you keep it a lot more simple. Yeah. So most of the places are like that. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. Use the KISS principle. That's right. All right. Well, we're going to wrap things up. This is probably the point where I should remind people, if you're listening on Spotify, this podcast has its own page where you can actually contact us and leave us some comments and feedback and maybe let us know what you want to hear in the future from Spooled, the Northern Angler podcast. And if you get time, check out some of our live fly tying events this winter. That's It's a ton of fun. It's on YouTube, and we have some of the best guests. I mean, guys that are, you know, you, I guarantee you know their names. Lafkus, Madden, you got Krajewski, you got Eli, uh, you got so many people. We had Tom Larimer last year. I mean, yeah. we keep dropping his name. Gunnar Bramer. We yeah. have, well, he's a buddy of mine. So. Yeah, we have to. have to. So... That's it for this episode, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. Stay tuned for episode three, and uh, we'll see you soon, hopefully on the water or in the shop.